Praise the Lord, everyone. It's Brother Cruz, your host for the Everyday Apostolics Podcast, where the individual shares their story for God's glory. Well, we're back. Yes, it's been a minute. It's been a long minute. Uh, but I do hope since our last episode, oh man, it's, I know it's been a while, but look, it's, uh, it's been, a bit, been a busy period for myself uh, as an individual, uh, just involved in church and and we've you know studies but recently uh just had a trip to the united states to attend the national youth, the north american youth um, congress in the united states in st louis missouri with a group of boys and all i can say is man it was uh it's um it's memories to cherish you know it's one thing uh, you know no it's one thing to go to conferences in you know in australia like whether it be national or regional when you're going to you know the other side of the world where you're in uh, where you're in an audience around 35,000 people um it's something else it's something else it's one thing to watch it on live stream on facebook or whatever forms of social media but to be there in person and to witness what has occurred or what did occur back in st louis it's it's a uh, it's something that i'll remember in many years to come and and it'll be chatted on you know stories will be brought up especially when it comes to fellowship with the group of boys that I went with so just a shout out to brother Save Save uh Willie Lotu uh Lee and uh Lee and Kelly Jr. Nakota Samson and I believe that's the crew that um that I was with <laughs> I do hope that I got everyone yes yes that was the crew but also mentioning a special shout out to the Pentecostals of Compton all the way in California and South Central LA. But it was wonderful to be with the church over there to worship with them and praise with, praise Jesus with them. And it's wonderful to see that there's a Pentecostal church in Compton. Uh, for myself, Compton was a place that is notorious, of course, of you know gangster rap, um, you know what has been portrayed on TV and so on and so forth. But praise be to Jesus that there is a, a Pentecostal church in Compton, and also to the wonderful wonderful saints over there as well and also mentioning to brother jimmy newen and uh, sister kelly newen from pos you know was uh, was an honor privilege to see them there as well in st louis and also a uh, shout out to one of the former guests as well by brother chris dunstan uh was wanted to see some uh, australian representation but also for us group of boys that went acknowledging our fijian heritage as well well without further ado we've got our first episode for this for this season and it's an honor, it was an honor and privilege to have Reverend Hampton Gabriel uh, join the podcast and share his story for God's glory but I'm just thankful once again to Pastor Daniel Gabriel of the church in Limbrook for allowing Reverend Hampton to come on and share his story for God's glory and to share his journey and it's wonderful to see that you know a man that is still young Reverend Hampton I hope you hear this he's still young remember, sir you know still young and fighting fit it's wonderful to see him still serving the Lord and still giving his all. And I know for sure, you hear it in this podcast, he's so proud that he has a son that's a pastor and he has a daughter that's a pastor's wife. And has a son-in-law that's a, you know, that's a pastor and has a daughter-in-law that's a pastor's wife. So what more can you ask for when it comes to the things of God, knowing that you have children serving faithfully, but also heavily involved in the things of you know things of the Lord and especially in churches in the church in Melbourne and also where 
Uh, Sister Abby and with Pastor Rebel in the church in Parramatta, my church over in the 2150 in Western Sydney in New South Wales, Australia. But without further ado, once again, I bring you for the Reverend Hampton Gabriel sharing his story for God's glory. Once again, thank you all for your support and I take give it away to Reverend Hampton. Take care till next time. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's Brother Cruz here, your host for the Everyday Upstone Podcast. Now, of course, I've just mentioned in early in the intro of who we have in today. And it's, a, uh, it's a wonderful to have him all the way from Limbrook in Melbourne, in the wonderful state of Victoria. Before, I just want to acknowledge uh, Pastor Daniel Gabriel for allowing me to have this wonderful man on. So without further ado, I welcome Reverend Hampton Gabriel. Reverend Hampton, welcome. Praise the Lord. I'm very happy to be here, Brother Cruz. Thank you so much for being yourself. It's always wonderful when you come up to when you come up to Sydney, especially up to Western Sydney, to the Pentecostals of Parramatta. So it's always wonderful to have you here. But uh it's also wonderful to have you here on this podcast. So let's get straight into it, my brother. Yeah, so go ahead, brother. <laughs> So as I mentioned, I've just mentioned him, but Reverend Hampton, I'm going to give you this time to share about yourself, you know, uh, your origins, um, your background, uh, your journey, how it all started, how, how it all came into fruition, and I give you this time, my brother, so take it away. Well, Brother Cruz, to tell you, uh, we, I was born in Bangalore, South India, 12th of December, 1950, and... Uh, yeah, spent some time there and uh, got to know about the love of Jesus when I was quite young. And uh, was it, to start before that, I was a Catholic, not a very good Catholic uh, at that. And, and then I, my mother died in 1964, so I quit school for a year. I couldn't, uh, there was no one to take care of us. And then my father moved me to a school called St. John's High School, which is an Anglican school. And... Uh, I got into that school and uh, I met my wife in the seventh grade and uh, she introduced me to her father who was a oneness minister, an independent oneness minister. And he introduced me to the gospel but um, I was more concerned and interested in his daughter than I was in the gospel, to be honest with you. You know, but every time I went to his, uh, his room just to get a little close with him, he kept telling me about the Bible, he kept telling me about the love of Jesus and she one day invited me to one of his meetings. I have never been to a meeting like that in my life because I used to go to a Catholic church and I went just thrice a year. As I told you earlier, I wasn't a very good Catholic. But one Sunday morning I said, okay, I'll just go just to please her. And her father had a a meeting which wasn't a very big place, it was a small tent meeting. And uh, I got there and I thought I'd be able to sit next to her, but no, I had to go and sit amongst the men. And she branched off and sat amongst the girls. We were very young at that time. And I sat and said, I'm going to just observe this meeting to see what's all about. Because I've never really paid attention. Brother Cruz, I was most surprised. I never thought that there could be anything like that called a church because I've never saw so many people who were so excited about Jesus. You know, they were dancing and they were jumping and to be honest with you, I got quite scared. I didn't want to go there again. You know, I didn't know nothing about it. But she, my, my, girl, my wife now, who was very young then, 
kept twisting my arm to keep coming and I kept going there and then one day I, I, uh, God revealed himself to me. You know, I, I looked back on life and said, there's got to be something behind all that we have, about all that we see and all that we can feel. It just didn't come into existence by itself. And there's got to be something behind it. And then from one to one, I kept speaking with so many people and they would talk, talk to me about God being the center of it all. And I couldn't understand it at that time. But as I progressed in walking with Jesus, I began to understand his magnificence, his might, his strength. And there was nothing impossible with him. And I started going to the church and uh, then I backslid for some time because I couldn't keep going on. And then my dad, to crown it all, took me from St. John's High School and put me in Bishop Gordon's school because he was a teacher there. And he got free education. So I had no contact with the church and I used, I said, oh, this is great. There's no going to church. I don't need to go to church. And, but lo and behold, uh, I finished school. I, I did my hotel and catering management. And then one day I met with an accident on, on the road. So a car hit her and knocked me over. I was in hospital for a long time. I spent 16 weeks in hospital with a broken hip. And those 16 weeks, I tell you what, I started to think about Jesus. And I said, how worse it could have been? It could have been really bad because it was a bad accident. And then Sister Joy used to come and see me occasionally. And well, one thing led to another. One of the friends that used to go to their church, who was a believer there, was a good friend of mine. And one day his wife was talking to Joy and she said, look, you know, you know, I know Hampton very well. So they, go, they queried that and found that we were really quite interested in each other. And that Sunday he came home and he said, Hampton, you're coming with me to church. And I couldn't walk, I had to use crutches. And anyway, I went to her house and her father was not too happy to see me because I walked out of the church. Anyway, from there, Brother Cruz, I really put my trust in God. And I said, no, this time, this time it's real. This time it's real. And I gave my heart to Jesus afresh. And God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. And then we migrated to Australia and we spent a long time here trying to find a oneness church. Mm. In Melbourne, it was extremely difficult. Believe me, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know what I was looking for. How will I find a oneness church? So I said, no, the only way I could find a oneness church is when and saw what they were about. I didn't know, I could, you have to be there to know what they believe. So I went to a few churches and it was very bad. You know, they, they, they wouldn't speak the truth. And if you asked them a question, they wouldn't answer it. So anyway, one day I came home from work. I was working in the railways. I joined, I had a lovely job there. I came home and I was having my lunch and I saw the yellow pages, most unlikely. I said, I'm going to see if I can find a church. And I turned my Bible and I found a church that was in Robinson Street in Dandenong, and we were living in St. Kilda, mm. 45 minutes away. And uh, I said, well, this sounds good. I don't know who it is. I don't know what was New Life Assembly. I said, oh, it sounds good. So anyway, one day I was, after a couple of days, I phoned the number. And a man picked up the phone on the other end and he says, he says, you know, he says, you may not believe this, but I had a vision, he says, of five people coming to our church. And I counted, Daniel, Abigail, Joy, father and I said five I said yeah, we are five he says yeah I think he says yeah are you from India I said yes 
He says, you must come to church on Sunday. And you won't believe, brother, because we got into the car. We had a camera, a small car, called a camera. Five of us fit in and Joy's father was a big made man. We were almost bursting out of the car. Anyway, we came all the way to Robinson Road. And we met, we opened the door. And there on the pulpit was Acts 2.38. I said, wow, this feels good. It feels home already. And a tall, distinguished-looking man with glasses walked up to me and shook his hand. He said, I'm Pastor Favalora. And I said, wow, I belong to the church from there. And from there, brother, God started to bless me. From there, then I joined the UPC. He was a church, independent, oneness church. Okay. But I joined the UPC church. And there I started to, uh, took Abby and Dan there. They were very small. By then, they, had, they were kids when we came here. And uh, we walked into the church there and... There was the UPC church there in Lindbrook. It wasn't called Lindbrook, then it was uh, some other name. But anyway, we walked into the church there and we, we felt really at home. We felt really at home and then Pastor Forbush was in charge there. He was the pastor there. And uh, after a few months, I asked Pastor Forbush, he said, Pastor Forbush, I need to speak to you. He said, yeah, no problem. He says, I, I said, I want to have a meeting with you. He said, no problem. He says, this coming Sunday, he says, next Sunday, come here at about four, he says. In the afternoon, I'll come early just to meet you. And uh, he says, only you. I said, no, no, I'm bringing the family along. So I brought the kids and Joy and we sat there. And we went into his office and I asked, he asked me, he says, what's your problem? I said, I don't have a problem. I said, I just want to know how I can become an actual member of the church. Because I've been just coming regularly. But I didn't think. He says, oh, there's nothing special about being, you don't have to sign any papers or anything. He says, all you need to do is be regular in church support the program of the church and, and just get to knowing everybody and begin to love one another in the church. And that's exactly what we did. And uh, many, many years passed by and then I, I was introduced Then Pastor Pobush went back and Brother Hogman took over and then I joined Bible school. I passed Bible school and, and uh, became a minister and here I am now. For the glory of God, I feel good that I met Jesus. I could personally say that I met him on a personal basis because he meant so much more to me when I got to knowing what his love really is. Mm. Wonderful, Reverend Hampton. I can just, by you just sharing those uh, few moments there, a lot of history there. Yeah, a lot of, of, yeah. lot of history. Um, what was it like from migrating from India from a pop population back then was probably nearing a billion to yeah. coming to settling down in Australia, which is still new. Was it a bit of a culture shock for yourself? Or was it sort of like going from a very place that was very... To be absolutely honest with you, brother, sometimes, you know, we... India is now 1.4 billion, I'm mm. And uh, if you see some of the pictures I'd show you, if I had brought them, I would have showed them to you, is when Joy and I go for our holidays. We won't see more than 10 people on the street. You know, somehow the news has a habit of focusing on crowded areas, like Swanson Street. Okay. Or like your busy CBD. They take a picture and say it's crowded. Ah. Once you leave the outskirts, it's empty. You know, anyway, but it, it was a bit of a culture shock to see because when we landed, we landed in Sydney. Yeah. So that's where we came first. And I was sitting with my uncle in the car when we were coming back from the airport. Joy was there. We had all the luggage on top. And I looked and I couldn't see anyone. I said, Joy, where's everyone gone? I said, Uncle, where's everyone gone? He says, they're all gone to work. I said, all of them? She says, yeah, all of them gone to work. And that was a bit of a shock. This is nobody. In 89, there was hardly anyone, nobody on the streets. That was a bit of a 
<laughs> coming from india though yeah so uh, <laughs> yeah. thank you very much no it's it's uh, it's it's amazing that you share that because as you just mentioned yeah and i never thought of that perspective about how yeah. you know certain magazines or the media they take photos areas that are crowded, crowded but when you go to other places it's like oh yeah there's lots of places that are absolutely empty mm. yeah so coming migrating to australia settling in to those that are listening you know back then no such thing as you know social media or you know probably internet was probably not even there or just in its early stages but going through the yellow pages yeah the yeah. good old yellow <laughs> the good old yellow pages the directory yeah, that helped me find the church bro was it what and in finding that church was you know like if you were around you know if technology was here around back then but back to as you're saying using the yellow pages that was it was it challenging at times you know, like going from this church to that church trying to hear what they're saying you know, he, Actually, I, I found the, I, I, I refer to the yellow pages rather after finding a few churches and going there. Mm. You know, and uh, they were very wishy-washy, the other churches. That's why I was driven to the yellow pages. And I said, that was not, that was all I could find. As you said just now, the telephone, we didn't have social media, we didn't have Google, we couldn't find what churches in this area. We had to go to the yellow pages. And when I found the yellow pages and found the church, I never looked back. It was a great asset to, to be a migrant. The yellow pages was your closest friend. Mm. Yep. People used to take it for granted. Yep. And Joy had an auntie who was working in the yellow pages. But mm. that didn't help really. Or whatever you wanted. If you wanted to find something, it's the yellow pages. Doctors, yellow pages. If you wanted to find some services, you know, taps, carpentry, electricity, everything. Yellow pages. Yellow pages. That's quite a valuable page. Yeah. <laughs> in saying that as well, uh, in migrating to Australia, uh, was it hard for Daniel and uh, Pastor Daniel Stabby when they came as well? Absolutely not. Mm. You know, that was one thing that was totally remarkable when Daniel and Abigail, as soon as we migrated to Australia, they took to this place like a fish takes to water. Mm. You know, they made friends at their young age, they were amongst all the kids in church, they were running around and... Yeah, they never had a problem. Even one problem we never had. Well, even in Sydney we used to be there. She never. They never had a problem. We came to Melbourne. They never had a problem. And uh, you can see them now. They're so forward and yeah, it's amazed. God really worked because it, if they had to have problems, then Brother Cruz, I think it would have been pretty hard for us. Mm -hmm. Because by the time we got settled with good jobs here, it was taking a while. Yeah, you need to know what to know and people and how to go about things because the first thing was a shock here because india we speak very loud yeah whenever i phoned somebody and spoke to them on the phone i couldn't understand i couldn't hear them because they speak so softly and i would say yes 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 not even knowing what they was asking me or saying you know and that became a bit of a problem you know and then and finally slowly you settle down and you realize you don't have to shout on the telephone because you're not there you're talking it's on the phone then you realize that you don't have to really shout on. Take it easy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Don't shout over the phone. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for yourself, uh, as you know, Pastor Daniel Stabby, as they were growing, you know, as young, you know, became young people. Was it uh, were there challenging times for yourself as as a father? You know, for them. You Not know? really. The year that they were really growing up, we didn't have all the stuff we have now. You know, and I want to praise God for that. Daniel, both of them were very steady kids, mm. they were absolutely steady kids. They went to school, they studied extremely well, 
did it exceptionally well in school. We didn't have to tell anybody anything amongst both of them. We never even asked them for their homework. Everything was done, it was finished. We never had a problem. So Daniel and Abigail was, 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 a, was a blessing from God. Mm. What, what advice would you give to you know, for yourself as a father to those that may be listening that have, you know, children that are going through, say, primary school, even through high school. So what advice would you give as a parent to to other parents? I would like to tell the other parents at this stage, brother, that uh, they need to stick to what's good. You know, and don't uh, move with the times because the times are very unsure. The things that people are forced to believe in now is not really good. You need to build your future on something that is sustainable. You know, and uh, I find the most sustainable thing in my life was knowing Jesus. You know, and uh, once you set your life on Jesus, you fix everything on Him. Everything will fall in place. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will get things together, and bring up your children in fear of God. No matter what it is, teach them how to pray. And say, say, in saying that. You learn as a parent how to pray too. And prayers are one thing that is so valuable. But once you start praying, you realize and you wonder how you did without it all these years if you don't pray. But get into the habit of praying with your kids, praying for them, praying with them so that they begin to understand you. You know, As I told you a little while back, we have never had even a moment's problem with Dan and Abby. Because to be honest, we were quite strict about church. Mm-hmm. When church day was there, church day was there. You don't start dressing at 9 o'clock in the morning to be there in church. You had to be ready. And Daniel was no problem. Daniel was an early bird. He would dress up early. The school bus used to come and pick him up to take him to school. And uh, the bus would come there at about 8 o'clock in the morning. He'd be ready with his tie on at 6.30. Every morning, as you tell him, Daniel, why aren't you resting? It's so early. No, Dad, it's okay, I'll wait. And that's how Abigail and Dan were. We never had a single problem but we laid a good foundation. We made sure that they concentrated on the things that are important. I said, you're studying well, we don't need a problem with that. Bad company. You should know what bad company is. You should tell your kids when they're young what bad company is and how to avoid it. You know? Nowadays, peer pressure is a very, very strong thing and it's gone stronger and stronger as the days have gone by. You know, and so to a point where parents have no foundation to start with. Uh, so therefore, the children don't have a foundation. But if you have strong foundations and you say, yes, we go to church on this day, we pray, we, we pray at home as a family, we say our grace before our meals, we thank God for what we have and just go. Uh, goes a long way, brother. Mm. Praise a long Amen. way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I agree. Yeah. Every word you have said, Reverend Ham, I agree with that. Yeah. Prayer yeah. and laying a strong foundation. Absolutely important. It's, yeah, it's it's wonderful that you mentioned that. I do hope those that are listening take something out of that, because mm. you know, prayer does make a difference Absolutely. in having the, yes. that family time as well. One, one yeah. Wonderfully said. How um, when it came to the moment when you know, you would meet your future son, your future son-in-law, Pastor Ben, and uh, your future daughter-in-law, uh, was later uh, Fiona, is it? Yes. Yep. yep. What was uh, for you, for yourself, your reaction or you know, sort of your first moments with your future son-in-law and daughter-in-law when they came to meet Jesus the Joy? What was your... Strangely so, brother, we were so um, driven by prayer and driven by our relationship with Jesus 
that I'll never forget the day that uh, my father-in-law came to Adelaide. And this I must tell you, without, without, without fail, you're going to be amazed at this, what I'm going to tell you. And my father-in-law was a great preacher. He was a oneness preacher. And he had come here for a holiday to Adelaide. And he and his wife were there. And uh, he went to the church in Adelaide. I don't know who was the pastor then, but he went to the church because through my auntie there, they went to the oneness church, a UPC church there. And they were chatting and he was one day sitting and talking to his wife. And Fiona must have been about, I don't know what her age would have been, maybe eight, seven, eight years old. And she ran into the house. And my father-in-law looked at her and he called his wife, Coral, and he said, you see this girl running in? She said, yes, he's Daniel's wife. And Daniel was almost the same age as she was, eight years old. And we just forgot about it. She's in Adelaide, we were in Melbourne, mind you. It's Daniel's wife, he says. Anyway, we forgot about that. We started going to this church here, and who do you think becomes the pastor here one day in the church that we go to, Brother Hogan? And they both met and fell in love and got married. You know, and I look back even now, Brother Cruz, and I say, oh, what a wonderful Savior we worship. In this day and age, it's hard to find a good partner. Not all of them belong to church. And depending on how strong you are, whether you can actually draw the girl into church or the man of the other world, but it's a struggle. It's a struggle because there's so much that these people want to fight and argue about these days. Sometimes it's hard making them see sense in the love of Jesus. Oh, we've heard that so many years, so many months, or many, many years we've heard about the love of Jesus. What are you telling us about this? There's no truth in that, you know? People have to argue like that. But if a person meets a man, she needs to put everything in it to try and get him to church and vice versa. Church. I would have been lost had my wife not brought me to church. She didn't take no for an answer. You know, and God has blessed me. Okay, uh, that's that's wonderful. Shout out to First Lady Sister Fiona if you do hear this. Yeah. But I want to hear about Pastor Ben now. Now, Ben, <laughs> Pastor Ben, that now. was an amazing story. <laughs> he he said you know, he uh, you know wanted to learn the bass guitar. Yeah, you but heard that, about that, yes. But yeah. that was sort of the way One to day I was try and creep bass. In. I was playing bass in church. Okay, it was a Wednesday evening. That's when we used to have music on Wednesday evening. The whole group used to sing because we used to have Brother Morgan who used to preach. And things were good then. And I noticed this tall guy walking to church one day and I looked at him, I said, new believer maybe. I said, that's pretty good. And I was playing bass and I noticed when Abby used to worship read, if she stood, he stood. If she sat, he sat. I said, this is really strange. I don't know, I've never seen anything like this. You know, a young man comes, where is he gonna bother with the worship leader and things like that? And then one day he came to me and said, Brother Hampton, I want to ask you, can, can you teach me to play the bass guitar? And I said, oh, that's cool. Of course I will. I said, and then, you know, you're not really keen on that. Sometimes you, you just don't know whether you'll find the time for that. So uh, I said, Brother, first of all, you need to have is your own bass guitar and an amplifier. Throw, it in, throw the ball in his court, you know. He either will or he won't. But he will. Because next Sunday came, he walked in to church with a bass guitar and amplifier. So, oh boy, this guy really means business. <laughs> anyway, I showed him a few things. Yeah. And uh, he says, can I come to your house, show me a little oh, more? Yeah. I said, oh yeah, by all means. I said, so when we landed up, he came there and 
He took out the bass guitar, we connected, they were showing him a few notes on the bass, on the fretboard. And I suddenly said, I'm going to ask this guy straight. I said, do you really want to play the bass? Because I found his fingers were not going anywhere. I said, do you really want to learn to play the bass? And then he put the bass guitar down. He said, no, brother, it's not really, I want to play the bass. So I said, what do you want? He said, I want to know if I can take your daughter. <laughs> I said, it was a shock to me. Yeah. I never expected that. So I said, look, Abby's an adult. I don't think there's any problem with that. Well, just hold on for a minute. I'll ask his mother. So she came. I said, look, Ben wants to take Abby out. He said, all right. She said, my wife said the same thing. She said, Abby's an adult. If Abby can go, wants to go out with him, it's up to him. But we can't tell her what to do. Problems. Anyway, in a few minutes they were both going out the front door for a walk. And here I'm sitting with a bass guitar and looking at it. He never touched the bass guitar ever after that. <laughs> you know, and yeah, they grew from small friendship times when Ben was in the Navy, he was in service, and uh, we had to go and drop him every night back in his training whenever he came home, and they started to grow to love each other. And uh, then he got engaged and I'll never forget this. It's a funny story. Okay. It's a funny story. And he suddenly turned around one day and he said, Brother Hampton, he says, uh, he says, you being an Indian, he says, is there any cultures that I've got to know before I marry your daughter? Because she's Indian. I said, oh, Ben, I'm glad you asked. I said, uh, because uh, being an only daughter, I said, there are some involvements. He says, what is it? I said, you have to present her mother with a little chicken and a pomegranate. I don't know why I said that and why I even thought, I want to have some fun. Oh, thank you, brother. He says, I might be able to manage with the chicken, but I don't think I can get you a pomegranate because it's hard to get here in Melbourne. I said, you'll still get it. You'll get it. Don't worry. He said, but that, that's what you asked me. I told you. He said, no, no. He says, I must comply. He says, I must try and do the best I can. And anyway, we used to go to church. One Saturday, I came home and my wife loves to do needlework. She was sitting with a machine and at the side of the machine was a little cardboard box with a, with a, with a light in it. Said, this is strange. I said, what's in the box? She says, it's because of you, she said. I said, what? She said, have a look. She said, I came close and there was a little chicken <laughs> in a cardboard box with a torch on it, with a light. Oh, okay. I said, oh my word, he really believed me, didn't he? She says, yes, the way you told him, look, this poor guy has gone and got a chicken in him. And that chicken grew, brother, grows, you will not believe it. Yep. We had to get rid of it because it's so dangerous to have at home. Have oh. him at home, he's a rooster. We couldn't get, to, anybody couldn't come home, it used to chase them around the oh, place. Man. Anyway, that's a long story short. We, that's what I did to poor Ben, and then Ben did Bible school, and today he's a pastor. The pastor. That was a very funny story. I even oh, I share it with now they, they just crack up. Get in the chicken, get in the chicken and the pomegranate. Oh that <laughs> no, was no, didn't get the pomegranate. Like he didn't say, Oh, you have to give me you have to give the family fifteen thousand dollars. I should have. Now come to think of it, I should have because dowry is dowry. <laughs> fifteen thousand dollars and you have to get a brand new car. What about it? And you must see that you wash it once a week. Wash <laughs> <laughs> oh, Now God's been good, brother. Goes through it all. Oh. He's given me a great son-in-law. Amen. Amen. And a magnificent daughter-in-law. Amen. Amen and to that. You know what? I keep telling my wife. I said it's so amazing that you and I can put our heads on the pillow 
Yeah. And not worry about those things. Uh-huh. I've had friends in Melbourne who don't know where their kids are. Mm. At any part of the night, sometimes they come and ask me, Sir, can I go home early? My, my daughter's not at home. We don't know where she is. And my heart used to go out with these guys going, looking for their kids at 1, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, not knowing where they are. I've never had that problem, Brother Pierce. Jesus is so good to me. Amen. Says, um, Reverend Hampton, says to have his wedding day. Yeah. Walking there, walking, walking her down the aisle. Was it sort of a mo- was it was it an emotional moment for you? It was tremendously emotional. You know, Joy had planned a few things and she didn't even tell me. Yeah. Because uh, you know, Abby, she got uh, being Abby, being Abby, uh, she never made it easy. Mm. She wanted to get married in a place called Tetra. It was up Dandy Nose, and that's fantastic. But she wanted to have a morning wedding. You know, she, I said, what time? She says, about 12 o'clock then. And I said, can you imagine you guys getting ready before 12? Because, you know, wedding party. You've got relations coming from the other side of town. Anyway, Joy arranged it and she said, look, we're going to have a horse and carriage taking you and Abigail. Instead of coming by car, you'll come by horse and carriage. So she went and booked the horse and carriage and she didn't want anyone to see the horse and carriage when they were coming up. So they had to bring the horse and carriage in a truck. Believe it. Okay. In a truck, because that guy said, in any case, the horse won't be able to walk up to Danny knows. We'll have to take it in a truck. So we brought the truck. We stopped there. He took out the carriage. He put it in. started combing the horse. By then, Abby and I landed up in a car. We sat in that, and he took us to the wedding cruise. That was the most emotional time of my life. Mm. You see me riding on that beautiful red, white, and black horse carriage. The black horse, the guy in his red uniform, and me sitting next to Abigail. Instead of taking my daughter to give her away to yeah. a great guy, mm. you know. And that was totally emotional. It was very emotional. And then when I had to do my thing as, as a dad, only a dad can do it. I had to hand her over to him. And I knew that if I had that assurance in my heart, what I was doing was the best thing ever. You know, God knew what he was, you know, I had to do. And provided me a great son with a lovely family behind them. So here we are. Hey, wait, totally wait. amazing. That is that is amazing because you know seeing a horse in carriage is something out of a fairy tale, like you know yeah, those yeah. books you read as a little kid, yeah, being yeah. drawn, you know, yeah, drawn in the horse yeah, and yeah. cart and Absolutely. all those things. And for that moment of you to give Abby away and changing her last name from a Gabriel to now a rebel, yeah, it was something else. But on top of that as well, uh, Reverend Hampton, what what have you learned or what have you taken in from that first moment all the way, you know, back in Bangalore in India? You know, you, you know, by me and Sister Joy, going through those moments at one stage, you were six, 16 weeks, 16 weeks in hospital broken, for broken hip, to where you are now, you know, you're a licensed minister, you're here in wonderful Australia, you're blessed with, you know, a beautiful son-in-law and a beautiful daughter-in-law, and now you're a granddad as well. Oh yeah, five times over. That's it. Yes. Shout out to all the grandkids with Darren. Darian, Gabriel, Nikita, Harrison, and Madison. And Madison, what have you taken and what have you learned from then till now? I've learned that life is is a progress. Mm. It's it's uh, it is a journey. But I was never able to focus on the destiny more than anything else. You know that God has brought me through so many things. Yeah. When I look back, I find so many things that could have happened, could have gone the wrong way. But to know that this great God, once you fall in love with Him, He holds you in the palm of your hands. He never lets you slip. 
and he's brought me all the way here, Brother Cruz, from Bangalore, South India, right here. And I've never looked back even one day. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm only sad that I didn't get to knowing him earlier in life. When I see kids in church, I always say this when I preach, when I see kids in church, I'm tremendously jealous to know that they have an opportunity of knowing who Jesus is when they're kids. I had not that opportunity. I wish I did. Mm. I wish I did. I wasted so many years going and walking and sitting in a Catholic church once every week or for once every three weeks. What a waste of time. Mm. You know, yeah, and God has brought me out. He's carried me at times. You know, and uh, there's no better life than being than living the life of Jesus. Mm. Absolutely. And even even though you say you're jealous of the young ones that are serving now, but you also see it as a way, okay, they're young, but this is the best time as well to give them, you of know. Of course, absolutely. It takes all of us yeah. who have walked with Jesus, who know what it is. And God has given us the ability to share that story. Share that story. Some people have a ministry of being able to share that glorious story with kids. They can bring it down to the level of children and tell them a story about the gospel that is their level. God has equipped all of us. Why shouldn't we use it? I love the opportunity when I'm preaching to somebody and I see these little kids sitting in front of me just engrossed, just watching me, watching the words, watching the words literally come out, you know, and, and that makes me feel good to know that God is so concerned with the kids as well. Not only those who are lost, but everybody. Mm. Jesus came, he said, he said, the word says he came to seek and save the lost, you know, and that's one of the greatest uh, missions ever. You talking about missions is when Jesus is, is what he says. He came to seek and to save the lost. Mm. That's the greatest mission statement ever. Mm. Um, Amen. And what is your favorite thing about church, uh, Reverend Hampton? My, you, your favorite thing about church, you, you, you're involved heavily back in Limbrook. You've come up yeah. here to good old Parramatta you know, now and then, whether it be uh, as we're doing this recording, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, Gabriel's birthday to nine years old. So yeah. that's the reason being we have Reverend Hampton. So coming up for family gatherings. What do you love about church? What's the... Oh, I love about church. I love being with your God's people, you know, and it's so different, Brother Cruz. Yeah. If you, if you were like me, my dad was a musician, you see, and wasn't a church musician. He was a musician. Okay. And that's how he earned his money and that's how he put food on our table. Yeah. He played in nightclubs, he played in dances and uh, the friendship isn't really that great. No, but when you come out and you join a church and you're looking at people who God has touched in their lives, you know, it makes you feel different about it. So I feel great when I'm coming from Melbourne here. I know I'm going to meet the saints and meet you above all. And <laughs> cruise control, I call you. <laughs> so go good to meet you guys. To know, yeah, uh, these are not just blowovers, you know. Mm. They have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God has touched them somewhere in their lives and they're living for Jesus. Amen. What more do I want? I'd rather spend my time with people like that than the richest people who don't know Jesus. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. I'm happy I come here and Amen. spend time with you guys. And as well, Reverend Hampton, seeing you know that your son is a pastor, yeah, and your son-in-law is a pastor. Is a pastor. Yeah. Your daughter is a pastor's wife, yes. and your daughter-in-law is a pastor's wife. Yes. Does that make you feel thank um, thankful and blessed? And wow. Man, this, you know, Jesus is awesome. It's like, Absolutely. I know this, this Who could blessing. bring about something like that? You know, as you mentioned, you know, the richest person by not even knowing Jesus, but having this blessing bestowed upon, you know, you enjoy having 
you know, your children heavily involved in ministry. Does it make you feel well, grateful? Man, I've lived this long. You're still young. You're still young. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You really live this long to see, man, my children have been used by the Lord. Absolutely, brother. Mm. Who can orchestrate something like that? Where my daughter is the wife of a pastor and my son is the husband of Oh, Fiona is the husband of a pastor, he's my son. Mm. You know, and only God can bring that to fruition, you know. And I think I can't comprehend that, you know. Why me? Mm. I mean, but God is so faithful, so faithful. And what you give for God is nothing compared to what He gives you in return, mm. you know. So, I'm so happy. And look at my kids, my grandkids, they're all in church. Madison mm. plays the piano in church. Harrison plays the drums there. Darren plays the drums here. His mother plays the piano and it won't be long before the others take over and do something in church. Mm. What more can you want? Amen. I don't think, I think anybody looking at me will, will be most jealous to know that here I am. God has taken care of all my needs. He's looked after my wife and me, brought our kids, our grandkids now. Amen. And uh, with that in saying that, does, as your children, uh, your, you know, your pastor, you know, your son was pastor, as much as their children, does it come to your, your mind as well? Okay, they are my children, but also I have to honor them because they're the man of God. Yes, they're the pastor yeah, of the of church. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's an order, church order. Yes. You know, my son is my son. Yeah. But when I'm there, he's my pastor too. Mm. And likewise here. Ben is my son-in-law, but if Ben told me to do something, I do it because he's the pastor here. Mm. You know, and pastors need to be respected. They need to be respected. They need to, because uh, they're hearing from God. So I think the, the hierarchy style, when you look at that, I don't know, you have a great relationship because they're related to you, but there is also a wall when you get to being there, when they're working in their office yeah. as pastors. You need to step back and let them do what God's leading them. Mm. And I've never had a problem with that. Yeah. I've never had a problem. I keep telling people if I wanted, I could have done so much. I want, that was not my calling. My calling was just to be a minister in a church and preach when I'm given a chance to preach or sit down and listen. And that's mm. what I've been doing all these years. Mm. I don't want anything special. Amen. Uh, the, the reason why I asked that, and I thank you for answering so nicely, is that I just see that, you know, you've got, you know, parents that are sitting under, you know, their sons or so. Yeah. But they're, you know, like they're past and yes, But yes. it's wonderful that how you brought it out. Uh, that still you've got to maintain that sort of respect and reverence. That they're working in an office that's given yeah. to them by God. Mm. You know, I believe that God anointed them and put them in that position. Yeah. So God can think that highly of them to be a shepherd, mm. to be a pastor. Who am I to go and disrespect that? Mm. That's how I look at it. Mm. If I love Jesus, I would love what he's done with my kids. And I respect that. And I take a back seat when it comes to them working in their office. Tomorrow, if Ben said he's going to do something, I will never question it. I said, most I can tell him is, Ben, have you prayed about it? And then said, Ben, I know God will take care of them. But we need to uh, keep that relationship going. That pastor, sheep, sheep, pastor, sheep, you know, that's a very important thing. So you step out of line and say, oh, he's only my son-in-law, I better tell him this. Not in God's Take your seat back. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank thank you for that, Reverend yeah. Hampton. Uh moving on. Moving on. What is what is your favorite your favorite scripture or scriptures? Yeah. And why are they your favorite scripture scriptures? Now you may have many. I uh, have a lot, but there's one scripture that's always been on my mind, brother. That's John 15, verse 13. 
Widow had no man when this man would lay down. And then it was like this friend. You know, and uh, we look for love. No, we we are always uh, that's a part of our makeup. We want to be loved. We want to love. Mm. You know, and uh, love has been battered around all over. It's come in songs, country songs, and plays, and movies, and whatnot. You know, they try and portray love, and uh, all that stuff put together is no greater than the love that Jesus had for you, that He'd go to the cross for you. You know, the test of love comes is when you can lay your life down for somebody. Nobody wants to do that. Mm. Love to a point. The moment you offend them, that love goes in the background. You know they don't want to know you after something, but not Jesus. There were no strings attached. While we were yet sinners, He died for us. He didn't wait for you to become a great guy, go to Bible school, carry you, come with your cap on, and put your name Reverend Gabriel. He didn't wait for that, brother. He didn't wait for that. He waited for that. He'd be waiting a long, long, long time. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. He's the word says, while you were yet sinners. Yeah. That means while you were yet drinking or smoking or doing the wrong thing, he died for you at that time. Yeah, look at my son Cruz. He's having a hard time, but I die for him. That's a love that can't be explained, brother. And you know, that goes on. I keep wondering at the love of Jesus. It cannot be understood. It cannot be explained. It cannot be explained. There was a great song that was written once. And uh, the guy said, lovely words, something to the lines like this. He says, if if every stock on the street was a pen, right? And if the sea was ink, and every man was a scribe by profession, and he spent all his life writing, and the sky was parchment, and he spent all his time writing, and the ink ran out, and there was no place in the sky. He still could not tell you how much Jesus loved him. Amen. He still could not. <clears throat> Another guy was one day painting a portrait of Jesus. From, from hours it became days, from days it became weeks, from weeks it became months. He threw the brush down and he says, I can't do it, he says. He grows greater with every stroke. You know, and I have those little stories that are stuck in my heart. You know, what a great God. What a, what a, what a great God. I have no words to explain it. Really. Mm. I have no words to explain it. Well, who am I that he had to die for me? Who am I? I have nobody. You know, and that's why I, I try and make it a point to talk to everybody I meet. Whoever they are, however they look, wherever they come from. It's not me. God is drawing them. Who am I to find fault? So I've, I've always been that way. <laughs> Brother Cruz, I'm so happy to know that God uses Every one of us at some time in our lives, we've got to make the best shot of it. Amen. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Let us change the scenario now, brother. So, right now we're in the church here by the POP Pentecostal Parramatta. Yeah. Got a table in front of us. I'm going to take myself out of the equation. Yeah. So, let's call these guests who's coming to Reverend Hampton's house. Okay. So, there's five chairs. <laughs> five chairs. Yes. Five people from the Bible you choose to come sit with, with you, whether it be Old or New Testament. I give it to you. Five people. I'd like to have Brother Enoch come to my home. Okay. From the Old Testament. The Bible says that he he walked with God and he wasn't found because God took him. Mm. Oh, oh, I would like to talk to him about that, Brother Cruz. I'd say, yeah. Brother Enoch, please sit down. Tell me about this. Tell me about your walk with God that it's recorded in my Bible for me to read. 
How is that he took you? Did he take you bodily? Did you just vanish or did he come and carry you? Because nobody found you. They could not talk to you after that. You're gone. I'd like to see what he says. Okay, that's just the first That's one. a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. I really like to know. One. I like to know. I like to know. If it's recorded for me to read, I like to know. I'd like to meet Martha. Okay. Mary and Martha. Okay, so that's two? Or yeah. just Martha? Martha. Okay, Martha. just Martha. Okay, just Martha. I know about Mary. I want to know about Martha. <laughs> okay. I want to know about Martha. Alright. I want to know, what was it so hard that you couldn't understand that Jesus was speaking lives of eternal life, giving you eternal life in his words, that he chose to cook instead? I want to know what is it and I want to know if she ever changed after that because the Bible doesn't record her changing at all. Mm. It just said she cooked. Not once but twice. She was so busy and she was shouting and saying, God, look at my sister, can't you send her to help me? I'm busy in the kitchen. I'd like to talk to her about that. The third person I'd like to meet is the thief on the cross. Mm. Okay. I say, come on man, take a seat. I want to talk to you. How did you make it? You never went for a Bible study. You never went to church. You never witnessed. And yet, you made it. How did you make it? Somebody is talking about this and he said the same idea. He said, I'm going to call this thief and say, hey man, how did you make it? And he's going to say, I don't know. I don't know how I made it. He said, what do you mean you don't know how you make it? You went to heaven and you say you don't know. He said, yeah, I don't know. Then what? He says, he says, I know. I just looked at the man on the cross and he said, come and I came. You know, and it's such an amazing story, brother. Yes. It's all you need is for him to call you. Mm. That's all. True. That was the third. That was the third? That is the third one. Okay, got two more. The fourth, the, yeah, the fourth one I would like to meet is, uh, let me think for a while. Lazarus. All right. I'd like to see Lazarus. I'd like to talk about his friends that he had. Did they keep you away from Jesus? I find no, no, nothing about Lazarus too, brother. He suddenly comes into the picture when he's on his, when he's almost dead, and when he dies. And uh, I want to know about that. I want to know how come out of the three guys in your family, I don't know. You don't talk about your dad and your mom. We don't know if you had a dad and mom. No uncles, no aunties. Your youngest sister sat at the feet of Jesus. Jesus honored her for that. Your other sister was just a cook. She just kept the house going. She had her own house. She was fastidious about her cleaning, that, this and the other. You, man, you weren't even around. And yet Jesus came to raise you from the dead, the only one amongst three of you. What is it that was so special that he called you out? And what did you do after that? Mm -hmm. you were at that table. They wanted to kill you because they were, you got a witness that you were alive. Tell me about it. And there's lots of great stories to tell you. Can you imagine the conversation between Enoch and Lazarus? Oh, so I rose from the dead. Hey, I didn't face it. <laughs> I didn't face it at all. Yeah. Can you believe it? It's such an exciting life, brother. Such uh, an exciting, exciting life. Well, my brother, got one more. Yeah, the oh. one more. Let me think for a moment. Who's the one? I don't want to spoil who I want to speak to. Yeah, I would like to meet Adam. Okay. Go back to the Old Testament. Would there be a dress code for Adam? For... Uh, I, I think there would be. Well, now, now there would be a dress code. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, 
fig leaf would have uh, withered by now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there would be a dress code, surely. And uh, he would come in there and I would say, look, uh, Adam, sit down, please tell, talk to me, Adam. Tell me. Tell me all the things that Jesus spoke to you when he was creating all this. How did you get the names for all these things? That even till today, we call a woman a woman. We call a lion a lion. It was up to you and you call them names where there's no changes. Nobody came and had the courage to say, Adam made a mistake with this. Instead of a lion, I'd call it something else. Or Adam made a mistake with a woman. No, 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 she's not woman. She's going to be something else. They're changing everything now, but nobody did that. He was such a brilliant man and yet, you failed. Mm. And because of that, I had to weed the garden every week. <laughs> so hard for the land, eh? <laughs> Thorns and thistles is all I see in my garden. Yes. I would like to have a chat. And it's going to be a friendly chat. It's going to be a funny chat. Yeah. But I'll ask him some real good questions. Nice. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen, Reverend Hampton's Table of five is going to be a very interesting fellowship. Having some South Indian food, of North Indian food, you know, some curry in there. Yes. So there you it's go. Some spice in life. Some spice in life. That's it. <laughs> spice in life. Well, Reverend Hampton, we're coming towards the point end of this podcast. And once again, I just want to say thank you so much for availing thank yourself. You we had a wonderful lunch before this. So it's wonderful to finish off this afternoon having this session with you. But just to finish off, what's the word of advice? you give to those that are listening but also what is the word of advice would you give to your grandkids now so they may right. so they may hear say in 10 years time or if the lord calls you home uh what's that word of advice would give to them and to the listeners that are listening yes it's uh, in this time brother it's very very sound advice it's advice and not only for kids grandkids for friends for young people, young people are so important these days. They're going to be the leaders of tomorrow. You know, you and I may not last for too long, but all the young guys that you see here, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. And uh, uh, my advice to him is to keep your pulse. Keep your fingers on the pulse. God is working his time. And he's coming very soon. Don't be... Come to a point in time in life where you say, I don't think it's important anymore. I read the scriptures in 1 Timothy 3 verses 1 on. It says, and know this also that the last day's perilous time shall come. Know it. The Bible says, you've got to know it. Don't just hear about it and say, yeah, but you've got to know it when it mm -hmm. comes. It says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affliction, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the, denying the power thereof from such turn away. And all that list I gave, is there anything that's left out of this day? I have not found it. I have not found a single person in this Two verses that's been left out of what's happening today. See, there should be lovers of their own selves. You know that people love themselves. They want to do everything. They want to have the finest haircuts and go and get Botox and whatnot just because they love themselves. Right? Boasters. They boast. Proud. Blasphemers. I think the world is so full of blasphemy. They make jokes about God. 
They make jokes about his ministry. They make jokes about his miracles. Disobedient to parents. It's coming really down. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despises of those that are good. You know, if you read this word, brother, I want my young people to read 1 Timothy chapter 3. Read from verses 1 to 10, or maybe verses 1 to 17. And tick off all these things that you need to be looking out for. Because it says here in the first verse that I shared with you, it says, Know this also. This you know also. You should know these things. Don't let it just pass over and say, yeah, no, I don't think it's in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. It's for you to, these people that are traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You know, that's so apt these days. People want to go and have fun more than going to sit in the house of God. Their pleasures are more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You know, I've seen so many people that I've seen come in my life, you know, of course, they, they never came more than once or twice. They'll come and they'll want to prophesy. Oh, I've been going to this church, brother. God told me this and God told me that. You know, and um, that's exactly what it's talking about. You know, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, you know. They seem holy, but when something happens in Jesus' name, where, this, where power is involved, they I don't think this is true. This is all lies. You know, so those people you've got to be really careful of. Therefore, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jains and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as their son, as theirs also was. So my advice to young people today is to keep your fingers on the pulse. You don't need to ask anybody. Just look around you and you'll know that Jesus is around the corner before he comes back. He's just waiting. He's long-suffering. He's just waiting to draw as many people to him before he comes. But there's going to come a time when he won't be waiting anymore. He's going to come. My advice to you is read 1 Timothy chapter 3. And underline, my father-in-law used to tell me, when he was, we didn't have iPads then, we didn't have phones then, we had the ordinary paper Bible. And he was a very keen underliner. Yeah. He said, take out your pens and put a circle around that. And it was so important, brother. Underline all these things. So in your mind, underline this. If you've got an iPad, you can still do that. You can still underline that. All these things that are coming to pass. Be smart. Be God-fearing. And be ready. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Reverend Hampton Cable there. Just finishing that and keeping your fingers on the pulse. Once again, Reverend Hampton, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Brother Cruz, for having me. Thank you. And to those of the listeners, I hope you've taken something out of it. As Reverend Hampton, he's just the everyday apostolic, sharing his story for God's glory. Thank, Thank you, you once brother, again. Chris. Thank you, so brother. all our listeners. Till next time. Catch you later. God bless.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I do hope you enjoyed the podcast episode for this week featuring our guest. But tune in next time when we have our next guest, whether it be here in Australia or in another part of the world where they share their story for God's glory. Now, listen, if you're interested in doing the podcast or making your own podcast, you can go on for the Spotify for Podcasters app where you can do a podcast from your phone or from your laptop. And it has many other things, many other, how can I say, other avenues or so or other techniques in order to edit your podcast or, you know, do it in a way where, you know, it brings forth good quality. Now, in saying that as well, look, it's free, it's for free. You can use it from your smartphone or from your Android phone and, you know, start making that podcast. But in saying that, I do hope you enjoyed the podcast, the episode and We'll see you next time. Take it easy. See ya.